Yeah, yeah, it's your man John A. Schultz, man. Now, before I play the episode, man, in this brand new episode, man, I spoke about, um, I had a follow-up voicemail in regards to what I said in the short episode I released last week entitled, Bay Pass the Cake, where I spoke about the fact that if I was dating a woman and she gained weight, that I would have an issue with that. Now, I wasn't saying that, you know, I had an issue and I would dump her immediately. It's not what I was saying. So I got a voice message in response to that. And as you guys know, it's Pride Month. I'm going to give a huge hand clap to the whole LBGTQ plus community, man. You guys have supported me so much from the start of the podcast, even now. And um, I spoke about that. I played the quick little informational piece that I hope can kind of give you guys more insight. And as well, you know, I got, you know, I had to give my opinion. Because my opinion is why you guys tune in. My opinion is what makes me me. My opinion is, is what keeps me authentic. It makes me humble. And, you know, it. I, I think it provides some good entertainment as well. Again, it's my opinion. That's how I feel, man. And um, I had a crazy story, man. There was a 10-year-old girl who shot a woman to death that was fighting her mama. So you guys stay tuned in, stay locked in. This that brand new episode. This is that. Brand new LCP. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode, baby. So I'm going to entertain this gaining some weight bullshit. How do you feel about that? Okay, so... I think it's shallow. Now, I'm not speaking about allowing yourself to become slouchy, overweight, like setting up eating Little Debbie's all day and not trying to maintain or take care of yourself because at some point, let's be real, it is a health issue. It is. But to say that you're falling out of love with somebody or you can't entertain them anymore because they've gained some weight... That's just shallow. Like, I would never, if I love my man, I'm down for my man. Big, skinny, broke. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not, I didn't marry you because of what you look like. I'm not with you just based on appearances only. But don't get it twisted. Now, Now, hold on. Now, I want to pause it right there. You know, she said more. But we're going to pause it right there because now she's right. Now, if I marry you, I married you because I love you. I married you because I care about you. Or even if I'm dating you, it's because I love and I care about you and you are somebody who I enjoy spending my time with. But now if you gain 90 to 100 pounds and I'm letting you know, baby, you know, you're gaining a lot of weight. I feel as if, you know, it's it's not the, it's not in your best interest, you know, especially health wise, because amongst black women, one of the leading causes of death amongst middle-aged black women is death that is related to cardiovascular disease. And most of those, and and, um, you guys can ask your doctors if you don't believe me. And the crazy part is that most of the deaths that are related to that are 100% preventable with the proper diet, exercise, and just taking better care of yourself. And that's why I said, I feel as if it is unfair for me to be in love with somebody and me to be forced to watch this person slowly kill themselves under the pretense of, well, if you love me, you'll stay because as you, as you slowly kill yourself, I got to sit back and witness that shit. So 
Like we should not get to a point where I care more about your physical health than you do. Because if we get to that point, then we have a bigger issue at hand. And at that point, you may need some counseling or it's some deeper shit at play. But let's finish what she had to say. Yes, there does have to be some type of physical attraction. Obviously, we all know that you're speaking of someone, I believe, that's already in a relationship. Correct. That's what I thought. So, yeah, with that being said, then that means at some point I was already, baby, really physically attracted to you. So we already got something going on. You've put on a little bit of weight. That's something we can work on together. We can work out together and lose them pounds. Because, I mean, I have gained a little bit of weight since COVID because I started eating them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and all that shit my kids eat because we were stuck at home. Okay, I have some, maybe some thunder thighs, a little thick. I want to pause it because she's keeping it 100. Now, you know, like during the start of COVID, I mean like when COVID first started, we like, motherfuckers had to sit home all day. We had to, it was an emergency quarantine, stay your ass home. And I believe that a lot of motherfuckers probably gained the little, you know, the little, little chunky monkeys, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds, because staying home, eating out was done. So people stayed home and just ate Twinkies and, you know, Butterfingers and just the fat shit. And I understand that now. To me, and again, I'm only speaking for myself. Like, I believe that COVID helped me get in even better shape because staying home all day, especially those first few months, like I did so many home workers. I used to wake up every single morning, you know, work out 40, 45 minutes in the morning, take a shower and I'm done for the day. So that's where it goes back to being motivated, because like I said, me and a couple of my friends who stay here, like every single day we woke up, went to the park, got a jogging. Worked out at the park. The park, dead empty. So, that's why I said, man, um, as we get older, and especially as we have kids, I'm sure that any any one of us who are parents, we want to see our kids graduate elementary, junior high, high school, get married, have kids, meet our grandchildren. And the only way to do that as we get older is to take care of yourself. Like I said, man, one of the leading causes of death amongst black women is cardiovascular disease and most of it is a hundred percent preventable if you just take care of yourself take care of your body and just be mindful man but let's dive back in okay that's something i can go get off it ain't that serious you know what i'm saying like do it together i mean i don't know that's that's just how plus there are men out there that like a woman that is a little bit thicker because i was working i was like 140 i want to pause it because you got to be mindful with that too because i personally like personally know men who love women when they're big because they hope that the woman because she's bigger that she has low self-esteem and that that way he can run and he could take advantage of her and that her self-esteem will be so low that she'll think that she can't get no other man and that she won't leave that's why i say because she's right. There are plenty of men out here who love a woman who's thick. You know, who got, who got the thick thighs, the, the hips, the ass. Yes. Yes. But what people don't realize is that a lot of men like that, it don't mean that they like you. It just means that you're fuckable. So because a guy, oh, oh, you look even better thick. Oh, my God. 
It does not mean that guy give a fuck about you. It don't mean he want to date you. It don't mean he want to marry you. Most of the time, that guy only sees you as being more fuckable as opposed to how you were back when you were skinny. Just keeping it a hundred. And I had put on a good 25 pounds and I saw one of my old co-workers and he was like, damn, he was like, you look way better. And here I was finna be trying to be embarrassed because, you know, I'm like, mm, don't got gained 25 pounds. He said, I looked way better. He was like, you really look better with that weight on you. That's one thing about it. I had- I'm going to keep it a hundred. What he meant was that you look better to fuck. That's that's all he meant. And I know, you know, it kind, it might be kind of fucked up to hear that or to even know that guys think that. But that's probably what he meant. Like, like when a guy look at you after you done gain weight, you know, your thighs done got thicker, your ass done, it's a little pa-pow. It's, it's sticking out a little more. Most of the times, about 80% of the time, it just means that you more fuckable. I'm sorry. Now, again, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know we can't lie over here. Ooh, you a lie. Brand new LCP. I got to keep it 100, but let's finish what she had. Oh, no, I think that's it. Let me check. Hey, black men, they do like the little bit thicker women. It's just a fact. We do. We do. I want to clap it up, man, for her sending her that voice. Well, for her sending that voice message in. Like I said, man, I was not, you know, fat shaming. I wasn't bashing women. That's not what I was doing. I was simply saying that me, me being somebody who's active, who, like, I love to go outdoors. I like to do outdoor shit. I can't date or marry somebody and... I'm trying to do some outdoor shit and now you huffing and puffing, you know, because you're not in your best physical tip top shape. Because again, that's going to trickle down to me. And now my life is going to take a, a little steep decline because of the way you live your life. That's all I'm saying. So I hope you guys ain't take that the wrong way, but let's dive into some more shit. Now, I seen on the news today, man, I seen some fucked up shit. And um, this goes back to the trauma that, a lot of parents place on their kids. Now, there was a mom who got into a, a mom. I believe she was a, in her 30s. She got into a fight with a with another woman who was in her 40s. Now, during this fight, the mom gave her 10 year old daughter a purse with a gun inside. The 10 year old daughter then took the gun out the purse and shot the person who her mama was fighting. And that woman passed away. Mm mm mm. Now, can you imagine that? As a 10-year-old girl, you commit a murder. A simple fight. A simple fight between two black women results in a 10-year-old child committing a murder under the pretense of I was protecting my mom. Like, like I said, it's so much trauma that goes on in our black neighborhoods, our black communities that a lot of people don't realize. They see it as, you know, keeping it real. Just all this fucking toxic bullshit. But let's dive into the news clip, man. This clip is from, I think it's in, let me see, Orange County. Say Rogers got into with her neighbor, Lucretia Isaac, who's now locked up. And more about Isaac's 10-year-old daughter, who investigators say pulled the trigger Monday evening. If it was the other way around... Like, somehow, some way, my mama would have prevented that. A newly released incident report shows Rogers and her boyfriend were having a cookout for Memorial Day when Isaac approached them intoxicated about a recent dispute she had with Rogers. The women ended up fighting. 
Witnesses told police at some point Isaac handed a bag to her daughter. The 10-year-old girl, police say, grabbed the gun from the bag and fired two shots at Rogers, killing her. According to the report, a witness said he heard the girl shout, she shouldn't have hit my mama. The report said when police interviewed the 10-year-old, she said even though her mom told her to stay inside the house, she followed. She said she saw Rogers hit her mom in the head with an object and threatened to bring her family to beat up her mom. The victim's family can't believe it. For learning more about the fight, police mm, say mm, Rod- mm, 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 mm. I want to boo off the jump. And that's the part that's fucked up, man. And that because who the girl's only 10 years old, so who knows if she's going to even have to go to jail because of the fact that she's so fucking young. But see, when things like this happen, like this further leads to more prolonged trauma in our neighborhoods and in our culture. And because as we see, the, the world is fucked up. We're in a fucked up place. Like between the shooting at the top supermarket in Buffalo, New York, between the shooting at um the school in Uvalde, Texas, it's just so much fucked up shit that's going on right now, man. It's always been happening. And that's why when I come on this podcast and I speak about the crime in my neighborhoods, because I'm black. So black culture, that crime, it affects me. Like when I see young black men and women commit crimes or go down the wrong path at a young age, I'm not getting used to it. I'm not desensitized, well, desensitized to it. I'm not because a lot of people, they don't really understand that. Like real life ain't social media because I know everybody loves to run online and post the hashtag. Oh, you know, praying for your Valdi, Texas. Oh my God. Praying for the kids, praying for this, praying for that. But after the hashtag and after the news cameras go away, there are families that are still left to bury their loved ones. There are families that are left to deal with the trauma, to deal with just everything that we don't see, everything that we don't see firsthand. And that's why, you know, I just, I make it my purpose to kind of, you know, to laugh, joke, you know, have some good moments, have some lighthearted moments, but also talk about real shit, man. Because if I come on this platform, come on that, Brand new LCP And everything I talk about is bullshit Then I feel as if I am not doing my job As a black man Not doing my job as a black creator To help you guys understand that It's okay to have fun It's okay to laugh It's okay to joke But you can't lose sight Of the real shit that happens in the fucking world man But um, I want to see R.I.P. to the woman that was killed in that fight And just That 10 year old girl man Like it seemed as if she might be headed down the wrong path Or who knows She might really think that she was defending her mom, when she decided to shoot someone two times, killing them. But that's some trauma that I'm just happy at 10 years old, I don't have to deal with, man. But um, <clears throat> to segue in some more shit now, I always tell you guys, man, that um, you can't believe some of the shit you see on social media. A lot of people think that, you know, because celebrities might have a million followers, two million followers, that they're balling. That this celebrity is at a certain point in living a lifestyle that 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 you might envy, a lifestyle that you wish you had. But we all know Omari Hardwick. He played Ghost in Power. He was in so many other movies, man. So many being married, Jane, um, Gridiron Gang. He's um he's had a lot of supporting actor roles in so many movies. But Power, that's probably what he's most known for playing James St. Patrick, aka Ghost. 
Now, recently he was on a podcast where he spoke about the fact that even though he had so many early roles in his career, he was broke. He ain't had no money. He said between seasons one and three of the TV show Power, he had to borrow money from 50 Cent to get by, to survive. This is what Omari Hardwick had to say. Let me get the podcast pulled up. Y'all know I got to give credit. I don't steal content. He was on, uh, what podcast is this? The Pivot. Yes, sir. Shout out to my guys at The Pivot. I don't loan money. This is what Omari Hardwick had to say on The Pivot. I don't loan money. I give money because most of the times I don't expect it. So for me to give it back to 50 with interest, I just, I was so proud to be able to do that. And it was early. He felt like, damn, oh, you can't be messed up. You need money. And it was the summer and it was after season one. And then it was the summer after season two. And he gave me 20,000. And the next summer he gave me 23. And I absolutely, because he adores Jay and the kids. He might like them more than me. It was absolutely given in a way of like, you know, take care of the family, bro. Use that. Up to that point, though, oh, in your career, you still weren't making money where you were taking loans? On power, I never got that. And the end of I never, right? Never. Oh, 20 racks. Time now. Jamie St. Patrick. How, how much do you think I made a week? An episode? Mm. I would think 20 Angela right? Bassett makes 250 I don't loan money. 250 on 911. She's the highest paid. She makes 250 a week. a week. So you had to at least 150 No, then you got it right. Yeah. First time I've ever disclosed it. But I was also the face of the network. Right. Angela's not the face of that network. She's one of the greatest actresses that will grace the planet. But she's not the face of that network. That's a fact right there. That's a fact because, you know, back when power, I mean, I, I don't mean the spinoffs, the Kanan shit, the Tommy shit, the fucking, whatever the fuck, the, the fucking Tyreek running, running through the fucking college campus bullshit. I'm talking about power, power, the main TV show power. Back when that show was out, Omari Hardwick, he was the face of that fucking network. Before power took off, like, there wasn't a show that, to, that created as much social media, the fucking, the trends as the TV show power. And I think 150k a week, well 150k per episode. That shit is low. That's low compared to the revenue that that man was bringing in. 100. percent That's why I say, man, you got to invest in yourself. You got to believe in yourself, and you got to keep working it. Because I was just talking to one of my friends here, man. He's an actor. You guys can follow him on IG at Patrick Lamont. He's been in so many shows, so many movies. He's recently had a he's had a role in um the new Amazon uh, original movie entitled Emergency. You know, he he does a lot of good shit, man. You might you guys may have also seen him in the Golden Corral commercial that keeps coming on TV. So follow my guy Patrick Lamont on IG. One more time for my guy, Patrick. And he told me yesterday, man, he said it's a grind because people don't, they don't see the hard work that you got to put in because sometimes they might see you in a TV show or a movie and they think that, oh, you got it. You got the money, you balling. But a lot of times it's not like that. Like what you see is not always what it is. And that's what a lot of motherfuckers don't realize, man. But we're going to take a quick break. I got to take a PP. I got to take a shit as well. Let me see if I got my poopery spray so I don't light up the bathroom. I'll be back. It's your man, John, that shows host of that. Uh-oh. Brand new LCP.
Welcome back, man, to the LCP, that Lunchroom Chatter Podcast. Now, now, sadly, um, sometimes in the black community, like homophobia, it runs rampant in our culture. And I know that this month is Pride Month. The whole month of June is Pride Month. And I want you guys to just to have an open mind. Because me being a straight man, like I, I just pride myself on on just having an open mind and thinking and looking at the world outside of just myself. Because, you know, when I was younger and um, the environment I grew up in, in the Bronx, New York, in the projects, then I had some kind of hatred towards people who are part of the LBGTQ plus community. I admit that because I, my mom was trained based off of what I heard and what was being told to me. It wasn't until I got older and I, and, um, I was able to have conversations with 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 um, gay people, with trans people in I begin to see the world from a different lens. And that's why I say it helps to think outside of just yourself. So I found a quick little seven minute informational piece where there's a panel. They sat down and they discussed homophobia in the black community and the issues that can come from that hatred. This is from the Young Turks. Let's get right into it. I'll talk about uh, the just just in the black community, mm-hmm. how how even now homophobia is rampant in the black community and how, you know, we, we, we're we getting these documentaries from Ava DuVernay and all these different things that are highlighting the struggles of, black, of, of the black experience. You know, we have Beyonce and Homecoming, which was a, a triumphant oh depiction of, of, of beautiful yeah. blackness. Yeah. But yet, in our own community, we'll be the first to go, we'll go to a church and you'll hear pastors denouncing LGBTQ plus and, and things of that nature. How do you feel about that? Because that when we talk about... When we talk about race and LGBTQ+, it's always such a, a, a delicate balance and a delicate situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually um, doing my best to push back against that. In fact, I was at Pride, and myself um, and Patrice Con Colors, who's one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, um, we showed up, and I had a sign. Um, we were in the parade, and I had a sign that says, I will protect black cis women, and she had a sign that said, I will protect black trans women. Okay. And so the idea is... I have been around uh, black people who aren't transphobic, um, who are committed to the liberation of all black people, who believe that LGBTQ uh, black narratives aren't an inconvenience or a distraction from black liberation in general, but that um, black liberation can't happen without it. And so I just think that it's an opportunity for us to heal. No one is really talking about the dark, egregious history in America around slavery and genocide. And many of the attitudes that we're experiencing intercommunity are just part of that generational curse. And in, in, in many cases, a missed opportunity to heal. However, media is always stirring the pot. Because let me tell you, I stopped writing for several publications recently because let Kanye's mental health act up, let uh, R. Kelly have a breakdown on Gail King or something and they want me to write all these op-eds but there was a week where Drake LeBron James, Common Neo, all of these beautiful brilliant black men were pro-trans and were putting out all this messaging Mm. about trans women don't you know not a single editor will let me write about that? 
Wow. It was in the same week. And so what I realized is that many of these narratives that we've accepted and embraced it, uh, as our own, we're not looking up and seeing the puppet strings moving about. It's not coming from us. It's coming from media because media is always playing Switzerland, always pretending that <clears throat> it's just a passive observer. When in all actuality, it informs and influences most of our perspectives and beliefs. And we're starting to see that even under this election, um, under the political climate. Right. Wow. Wow. Th that's... I'm floored that that situation happened in in the matter of a week. That yeah, that, but it may, but it makes yes, sense. Drake though. had Big Frida in the song. Yeah. Um, even uh, Blood Orange, uh, Devon Hines had mm -hmm. Janet Mock as like the main video girl. Um, you know, TMZ tried to throw him off on the way uh, coming out the airport and was like, "What about LGBTQ and trans people, non-binary?" And he was like, "I think that they deserve to express their creativity just like anyone else." And took up for us. Um, uh, LeBron James did this post where he had all these magazine covers of black. Black women who um, were beautiful, and he was like, "Black women are beautiful," like very kind of like a love letter to black women. He included a cover with Pose. Yeah. No one wanted to talk about that yeah. because, again, media and other entities stand to benefit from the uh, uh, from the division and the fighting and the separation. And the because drama, the truth sure. is that if we were all to come together, have a meeting of the minds, celebrate our differences, and see the value in one another, that one percent would be zero percent. And so it only is effective if we're able to stay divided and not hear each other or see each other. And so I push back against that. So when people say like, "Oh, black folks are listen, black people." People are not any more homophobic or transphobic than anybody else. It's just that white supremacy is better at shielding it because, or hiding it because it's not threatened, really. Because it knows it has power. It knows it has control. It knows that at the end of the day, it's going to have the final say-so. We're rejecting that. We're pushing back. And we're changing that narrative. I thank you for that perspective. And I'm sure our audience is very enlightened by that because those are, those are, that's very nuanced. And those are notions that I hadn't even thought about myself working in media. So I, mm -hmm. I'm truly floored. Yeah, media is that girl on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that just sits back and kind of stirs her tea, but then she like throws out. <laughs> she right. puts the table whenever she's in. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you personalize that, how much black church gay baggage do you have? Uh, you know what? It's not so much black gay ba church mm -hmm. baggage that I have. I think growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right. um, I didn't come out till in my mid twenties. And so growing up in Albuquerque, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of people of color because there wasn't many people of color uh, okay. growing up. So right. but, but I was exposed to, to a lot of negative imagery of, of, of gay men. Mm -hmm. you know. So I, I always felt, and then also I wasn't your, what you call your stereotypical black male. I wasn't, mm -hmm. I, 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 mm -hmm. I spoke, I was whitewashed. I was a Carlton. Yeah. I, yeah. I spoke well. That's so what my son's going through right now because he's, He's a scientist, and he's, you know, he's being raised by two dads, and so he'll go to a playground, and people will say, like, you talk white. Right, and, yeah. I, and I always thought, what does that even mean? And, and right. so by wearing that outfit, I also thought, well, am I not black enough? And then and layer that with the reinforcement from other people of color that are like, yo, you ain't black enough, because their experience mm -hmm. taught them that they had to be a certain way right. and only recognize a certain type of person. Mm -hmm. You And then being a man and being gay. It's just all these different layers that mess with who it's you are. It's because we've put out this messaging that all of these beautiful attributes one can have, we've um, connected it to whiteness. Yeah. So if you speak well, 
then that's whiteness. Yeah, yeah. If you have like a good education, if you're polite, if you're kind, if you're that's whiteness. But all of these other things, it's like prime example, um, myself and some other people were talking about when Bill Clinton, when everybody was like, well, technically Bill Clinton was the first black president. Yeah, and we were talking about, yeah. um, because of like his hipness, well, oh, like I didn't inhale and, you know, uh, Mo uh, Monica Lewinsky. And, and you played the and, sax on Australia Hall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But yeah, what yeah, we don't yeah. realize is what they were saying was that this idea of unprofessionalism or laxness that that makes That's him an honorary him. black. Yeah. Well, the drug or marijuana that makes him automatically black. His ability to have an extramarital affair that makes him black. So we ascribe like all of these negative attributes. Oh, and, and to that point, we really always have to look at how does white supremacy play itself in the LGBTQ community. That that white supremacy has always set the agenda for what the community feels its needs are. When really the the community is such a broad and racially diverse and ethnically diverse community that it needs to service a multitude of needs rather than concentrating on the hopes or the fears of a, a, a white monolith. It yeah. really always, we always need to think about how are we servicing everybody. Right. Thanks for watching this free clip of the Young Turks. Don't forget to become a TYT member. They made a lot of valid points in that clip. Now, one thing I want to, I want to focus on right quick is that a lot of people in black culture, they do say that, um, that certain habits that black men or women have, oh, that's white shit. And I had to go through that growing up because, like, I wasn't the typical, I'm still not the typical, quote, unquote, black man. I don't party. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't smoke hookah. I don't hang out outside. I don't sell drugs. And a lot of my, my passions and things I love doing, like I said earlier, I love hiking. I love kayaking. I love jogging at the park. I love, you know, just, I, I just, I love outdoor shit. In my whole life growing up, um, I had to hear, oh, you into that white shit. I remember the first time I came to Georgia. I came from the Bronx, New York. I came to Georgia. And, you know, just from, from growing up from the age of five to the age of 13, every single summer I went to stay with this white family, the Mattingleys. I went there every single summer and I learned to fish. I learned to kayak. I learned how to hike. I just learned so much shit. And a lot of what I learned, I still apply that to my everyday life now. So when I came to Georgia and, you know, I remember first girl I liked, you know, I mentioned going hiking, you know, just go hiking to the waterfalls. And she was like, oh, that's that white shit. I don't want to do that. Let's go to the bar. Let's go get a drink. Let's smoke some. And I'm like, bro, like. Just because somebody, a black man, black woman, they enjoy things and like it's not the same typical bullshit, it don't mean that it's white shit. It's not what it means because everybody out there can have a passion, can have enjoyment that doesn't only involve doing the same shit. And that's why I wanted to play that clip for you guys, man, because, you know, when I see people spew hatred, you know, in, in regards to gay people, it always, I don't want to say it surprises me, but it's, it's sad as fuck, man. Because if you don't like something, turn your fucking head. Your neck work. You don't like something, if you're outside and gay folks kissing, turn your fucking head. You watching TV and gay people on your TV and you don't like it, you control the remote. Turn the fucking channel. So, as she said in the clip, in regards to, you know, people, be, oh, you know, things being pushed on gay kids. Like, it's really not. You don't like your child watching some shit, cancel the fucking app, turn the fucking channel. Like I seen gay shit my whole life and nothing in me said, you know what? 
Because I'm seeing gay shit, let me go suck a dick. It's never happened. Brand new LCP. But people come up or they find any fucking reason, you know, just just to, to kind of give credence or validate the hatred that they have inside. If you hate somebody, if you homophobic, just own it. Don't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't like gay people because they push that on our kids or I don't like gay people because of this, because of that. No, it's okay. You, if you hate somebody, you hate a certain group of people. I don't like gays. I don't like, you can say it. Just say it and own your shit. Like, don't say it, but then you giving these fucking bullshit ass reasons as to why. Like I said, man, I support gay people, man, because they, like, they support me. Like, gay people, they support the podcast above and beyond. Like, they stay contributing, whether it be, you know, cash apps, monthly subscribing. Like, gay people support the podcast above and beyond. At the end of the day, man, we get one fucking life on earth. And one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to alienate or make somebody feel, like I said, man, the way I felt growing up. Like, I remember the first time I came to Georgia, like, it was it was a huge change for me from growing up up north in New York City. Because down here in the South, I had to endure so much racism that, that like, I, it's like, I knew the shit was going on. But, you know, in New York City, it's kind of, it's blacks, Hispanics, you know, and it's, it's more of like a mixed bag. But when I came here, I came to Statesboro, Georgia. It was a mostly white town. And the racism I dealt with in that fucking town, to me, that was like a first in regards to dealing with a lot of racism all at one time, whether they be going somewhere to eat and everybody in there is white, you see the fucking flags, you know, just the, the fucking, I remember I, we drove past this one guy house. He had a fucking black doll in a tree with a fucking rope around the shit. And that's the town I went to school in. Now I'm not saying that everybody in the town was racist because they wasn't, but it was like a lot of racism all at one time. And that's why I say, man, like the way I felt when I experienced those kind of things, just to make somebody feel that kind of way because they might like somebody of a different sex. I can never get to that point where the way I felt like the nights I've, I've cried from it over time, you begin to kind of, it becomes more normal. But like the first times I went through it, it was hurtful. Like just thinking about that, like, like I know I'm a good guy. I know I'm a good person. But the fact that people can have these assumptions about you or think that, you know, you're this fucking monster just because your skin is black. And just based off the fact that I felt that way, I can never go out my way to make somebody else feel that way. I just can't. I can't because it's traumatizing and like, especially when you black and you fucking and you have this fucking hatred in your heart for other people. It's kind of hypocritical and I feel like it sets us back as a culture and as people. And again, that's my opinion. And that's all I'm going to say on that, man. But um, like I said, man, you guys who stay tuned in, who stay locked into the LCP podcast, that lunchroom chatter. I want to give you guys another hand clap, another round of applause. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys, man. Now, whew, this past week been busy as fuck. My mom was in town like. Me and my mom, like, we haven't had the best relationship over the years, but, you know, over, over, the, over the past couple of years that we worked on repairing our relationship, and now, like, we are kind of in a good place. So she was here this past week. We went to the jazz festival. It was hot as fuck. It was 92 degrees outside. We was burning the fuck up. 
So that's why, you know, in regards to the podcast, it's been kind of slow recently. Last week was only a short episode because motherfucker was busy, man. Like I said, man, when I make these episodes, when I create this content, I do it by myself. Like, I don't have a team. Like, sometimes my son helped, but my son only seven years old. So you guys who support, my cash app is dollar sign NYC story 718. You guys can click the link in any episode description. You guys can click the link and send a voicemail. You guys can sign up to become a monthly supporter for as low as 99 cents. Now, before I get out this bitch, I want to give a huge hand clap to LeBron James. He's become the first active NBA player to become a billionaire. One more shit. If I had a billion dollars, oh, shit. You motherfuckers probably won't see me, man. Some of y'all be saying I'm elusive now. John, I never see you. John, you steady yourself. If I was a billionaire, y'all motherfuckers would see me twice a year. If that. And the fact that he's been able to work so hard over the years, you know, I'm sure he do some dumb shit. And I'm not I'm not saying I hope some bad shit come out. But the fact that he's been in the spotlight, and, and I mean the mainstream spotlight for so fucking long, and he's avoided every single fucking massive scandal, that's the fucking applause in itself. The fact that somebody who's who's been a megastar as LeBron James has avoided every fucking possible scandal known to man that lets you know and like, like I just hope I'm not jinxing this shit because sometimes when I say some shit on here the next week in real life some shit just spirals out of control so I hope that LeBron James keeps being you know just a great a great husband a great basketball player a great father and that he continues to grow because you know it's fucking dope man just thinking about you know the way the world used to be back in the even going back to slave days in the civil rights era in the 60s and the 70s and seeing a black man or black men work, black men and women, everybody work hard to accumulate a massive amount of wealth, a massive amount of status to where they hold power in the fucking world, man. So I want to give a hand clap to everybody out there black working towards their dreams, their goals, pursuing some shit that is positive, man, because it's, it's easy to wake up and just engage in some negative shit. It's easy to wake up and sell drugs because it's quick money. But having a vision, having a goal, being creative, and thinking of a way to just to actually fulfill your vision in a positive manner, that shit is fucking amazing, man. A lot of people don't do it. So you guys out there, man, you guys stay safe. You guys stay stay tuned in to the Lunchroom Chatter Podcast. Again, the IG page is LCP Podcast Lunchroom. Again, Cash App is dollar sign NYC Story 718. You guys be safe, be mindful, and please be alert. Everything we're seeing that's going on now between the mass shootings, the killings, the murders, it's all been here. But now we're seeing it more and more now because of, of course, the news, but the phones. Once the phones came out, like, like it was shit before that we didn't see because we didn't see it. But now everything is being recorded. You could fucking walk to the store and trip and fall on your fucking face. And somebody got you on the camera. So you guys out there, man, stay safe, be alert. And every single day when you wake up, please tell your loved ones that you care about them. Because tomorrow might never come. Brand new LCP.